It's time to accelerate. Hey friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 754 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. Joining me this week as my guest is Brendan McAdams. Brendan is the author of the book titled Salescraft, Proven Tips, Practices, and Ideas to Advance Your Sales Success. Now, it's a very good book full of practical information for sellers, good for beginners and experienced sellers alike. Brendan is also the co-founder of Expertscape. It's a web portal where anyone can go and search for and identify the best medical experts in a broad variety of fields. Now, no matter how far you get into your sales career, you can't lose sight of the fundamentals, you know, the little details that enable you to build a connection with another person that leads to the sale. And among the topics Brendan and I are going to get into today are, A, why a sale is never over, what it means to be reliable and why that's never out of style in sales, how to ensure that every sales touch has value for the buyer, and why humility and humor move the needle with your buyers. Now, it's all very interesting. We'll be getting into all of that and much, much more. But before we get to Brendan, I'm going to talk for a minute with William Tyree, Chief Marketing Officer of RingDNA, about RingDNA's Sales Madness Bracket Challenge. Now, if you're longing for some non-virus-related madness this March, then check out this Bracket Challenge. 64 of the top sales books of all times are pitted against each other in six rounds of competition, just like the NCAA tournament. And at the end, one influential book is crowned the champion. Now, as I have for the past couple weeks, I'm bringing on my friend William to talk about some of the key matchups in this round. William Tyree, welcome back to Accelerate. Thank you, Andy. How are you today? I'm doing well. So let's jump into this. We're talking about results from round one of the Sales Madness Bracket Challenge, sponsored by Ring DNA. And um, there are a couple of notable upsets. There were, actually. I think one of the most impressive upsets was pulled out by Nancy Bleak. She came into this tournament as a 56 seed. She knocked off the number nine seed. So her book, Conversations That Sell, knocked off how I raised myself from failure to success in selling. Yeah, and Frank Betker's book has been around forever. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, uh, Nancy's book um, is a good is a good book. I mean, it's it's we've had her on the show a couple times, and um, she's scheduled to come on again soon. I mean, it's a great topic, right? I mean, conversations that move the needle. Um, yeah, I think I think I'll call me at the recency bias. Maybe worked in her favor there. Something did. She's definitely got a passionate fan base because, um, you know, that contest wasn't even all that close, frankly. No, 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 her her base clearly came out for her in droves. So, yeah. So speaking of that, then is is another bigger upset was uh, The Science of Selling written by David Hoffeld, beating out Predictable Revenue by Aaron Ross and Mary Lou Tyler. Now, Predictable Revenue certainly is sort of the, the playbook Bible, if you will, of the SaaS industry. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, that busted my, uh, my bracket right there. Actually, I, <laughs> I had, uh, even though predictable revenue was a 22 seed, I just see it being so influential across, you know, B2D, you know, uh, every SDR I've ever known has, has read it. You know, it's one of the first books that they read. So I had it going all the way to the final four, but, uh, clearly I underestimated the, uh, you know, the, the passion for the science of selling. 
Yeah, and then I think one other one worth talking about in that regard is um, sales differentiation by my friend Lee Sauls, beating out sell it like Sirhant. Absolutely. Yeah, that was actually a very close uh, race. That one, you know, if, if you think your your vote doesn't count, well, this is not the electoral college people. Um, I mean, the, <laughs> the margin of difference there was, you know, about 1%. Um, so, you know, really close race there. Yeah, see, that one didn't surprise me because, yeah, I may be old school, but yeah, a celebrity book on sales, that's not a real sales book for B2B sellers as far as I'm concerned. So, um, yeah, I, I had sales differentiation on my bracket. Oh, oh, your bracket's busted too. We're, we're going to have to uh, to uh, see where we stand here internally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I think I lost some for sure in the first round. But So let's talk about some of the upcoming second round matchups. And this is the round of 32, if you will. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, what were the ones that you thought really stood out in this round for you? You know, I think I think that a really interesting one is the sales development playbook by Trish Bertuzzi mm-hmm. versus Go for No, Richard Fenton and Andrea Waltz. Um, I mean, I, I know that I know that you know you're intimately familiar with you know these authors. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just Both love to know. Show. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how do you see that one playing out? Why might people be passionate for one book over the other? Well, I think it's sort of the difference is, is if there is. A difference I think makes a, a difference in the voting is I think that Go for No really speaks to the individual seller, whereas mm-hmm. the Sales Development Playbook, which is a fantastic book, but really speaks more to a manager and a sales leader, so perhaps a smaller audience. And I think given that Go for No had such a big turnout in round one, I, I'm predicting it it prevails in this round. Awesome. You know, um, you know, behind the scenes, I think another one that is trending in a way that I would not have expected. So far is uh, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone by Stuart Heineke mm-hmm. versus Way of the Wolf, Jordan, Jordan Belfort. Um, I just, you know, Jordan Belfort has got to be, you know, one of those salespeople, the rare salesperson that is, you know, super famous beyond just, you know, sales industry and the sales profession. And I'm just really surprised. I think Stuart Heineke's fan base is is really super engaged and um you know, it's looking like we might get an upset on that one. Well, I think that's another case of what I just talked about. Is first of all, Jordan Belfort's not a B two B seller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah, he's a celebrity, but uh, quite frankly, I don't know any serious B two B seller who's read that book. Um, that you know, again, I may have a little bias going there. But Stu's book, Some... Stu's book, especially in this day and age of remote selling, how to get a meeting yeah. with anyone, full of so many practical ideas and advice about how to how to reach out and get through to the person you need to get through to in a way mm-hmm. that, that's, um, again, very practical, very professional, and I think it just has more value than the, the way of the wolf. So that's my prediction. My prediction is that Stu's book prevails in this round. More value than sell me this pen? Come on, Andy. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I kid way of the wolf. I, 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 but I see what you mean. They, they definitely have um, different audiences. And, um, and yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the one this plays out. But so far, I think these people are, are definitely bringing it. Yeah, well, I think the same thing sort of goes with uh, the matchup between Seller Be Sold by Grant Cardone versus New Sales Simplified by Mike Weinberg. You know, one is really a book for salespeople. 
And mm-hmm. one is, yeah, sort of a celebrity thing that, yeah, personally, I don't find any value in. I, mean, I just don't. I think that my phone, the, the psychology behind it is is not what's needed. And so I think, yeah, a real sales book for real sellers is going to win. So I, I predict new sales simplified in this round. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. You know, it, it's interesting. Um, there's a lot of, as a marketer, right, and, and as a marketer who's managed salespeople, um, like there's a lot of books that I think of as marketing books, for example, that that aren't that aren't even in that category in uh, in in Amazon. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be interesting to see if some of that bigger tent phenomena plays how that how that plays into um, into this tournament or not. Well, I think these both those books have big audiences. So, um, but I just think that New Sales Simplified is I think is going to become a classic and in in sales book uh, lore, if you will, or the canon of sales books. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with that one. Fair enough. I can't wait to see how it how it turns out. Yeah. Did you have any others for the matchups you want to preview for the coming around? Well, you know, I, I think that I think that what's interesting for me is to see, you know, speaking of books that kind of get famous beyond their core niche, mm-hmm. um, I think a book like that is actually influence. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I've, I've known a lot of salespeople and marketing people who just love that book. It did really well in the, in the first round, yep. even though it doesn't fit neatly into that genre. So, uh, we'll, we'll see, you know, that's one that I've got going all the way to the final four, but you know, can't wait to see how it turns out. Yeah. Well, I think that, I think that influence will, I mean, that's, that's one I'm certainly predicting. We'll, we'll move on to the next round. Um, yeah, I think another book sort of in a similar Similar vein is uh, the coaching habit by Michael Bungay Stanier um, mm-hmm. versus uh, it's sort of an interesting matchup in this round against Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi and you know ostensibly you'd say well okay well these aren't really classic sales books um, mm-hmm. but if you read the coaching habit and I've had Michael Bungay Stanier on the on the show a couple times I've had Keith Ferrazzi on the show but if you read uh, Michael's book. It's it yeah it takes you through a coaching methodology for you know how you as a manager interact and and help develop the capabilities and skills and problem solving abilities of your somebody that's working for you. But when you look at his process, that's really a fundamentally a great sales process. The way you question people, mm-hmm. really excellent. So that's why I always recommend it as a great sales book, even though it's ostensibly about coaching. Fantastic for sales professionals. And same with Keith's book. I mean, if you want to some terms about building your network and the value of the network that you build and what it can do for you and what you can do for people, also an excellent book. But yeah, I give the, the edge to the coaching habit. That's a blind spot for me. And since you highly recommend it, I'm going to have to move it way up in my queue. You need to. And that book has been a huge bestseller under the radar. Most people don't know it. Um, so yeah, recommend it. Can't wait. All right. Well, William, let's yes. see what uh, next week holds. Absolutely. Encourage people to go out and vote. And um, you know, they, again, you have, they can do that at ringdna.com forward slash sales madness. Ringdna.com forward slash sales madness. And as they like to say in Chicago politics, vote early, vote often. <laughs> you got to invoke Chicago or <laughs> <Poor> Chicago. <laughs> well, yeah, there's, there's no limit on the number of times people can vote. So that's right. Yeah, for it is uh, kind of like Chicago politics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you don't even have to be dead to vote, uh, as they do oftentimes in Chicago or used to in Chicago. So, 
uh, yeah, encourage people if you're a fan of a book, you know, get your your fellow fans together and uh, just show how influential it's been in your in your life. And we'll see the results of this next round next week, and we'll have William back to talk about it then. Thanks, William. Thank you so much, Andy. William, thanks again. Friends, make sure you go vote for your favorite books at ringdna.com forward slash salesmadness. That's ringdna.com forward slash salesmadness. All right, let's jump into it. Brendan, welcome to Accelerate. Hi, Andy. Good to be here. Yeah, we've been trying to do this for a long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, you're joining us from where today? I'm in Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah. You pronounce the T. I thought you weren't supposed to do that if you're a local. Well, I'm not I'm a transplant from elsewhere. So so I uh I I I enunciate every letter. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna delve into the book that you've written, a really nice book, I thought, um, called Salescraft. Well, and uh but before we do that, you've wanted to learn about the business that you're in right now, which I think is a, a fascinating business as well, a company called um Expertscape, which I spent some time on last week, actually. And why don't you tell us what it's all about? Sure. Um, so um, it's a it's a website that identifies and objectively ranks medical expertise by specific topic. And the way we do that is we use the PubMed repository, and that's part of uh, National Institute of Health, which is really kind of a, tre- a, a national treasure. It's where anything of any consequence that's written about any biomedical topic ends up there and gets indexed there. And we take that data and analyze it by specific topic, of which there are now 29,000 different topics. And, and then we identify who the not most knowledgeable people are using an algorithm that we patented. And there's just really nothing else like it. And so you're, I mean, to rank their expertise, are you, you know, looking at, you know, mentions online, sites and citations and publications and it's, so on? It's strictly based on, on what they publish and the, uh, not just the amount, but the quality, the importance of what they publish. So, so there's a thing in, in publications called an impact factor of a journal. And so the, um, New England Journal of Medicine and The Lancet have a very high impact factor. And so that's one of the components that goes in the algorithm is how prestigious, how important is the, is the journal where you're being published? What, what's the, what are you publishing on? Like uh, what kind of a paper? Is it a clinical trial? Is it a guideline? Is it an editorial? That sort of thing. Are there attractions? All those things kind of go into it. And huh. then we compute those for 29,000 different topics. And so the, 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 you'll appreciate this. We're, we're moving, we are move, we've moved into what is a, an expert economy. It's what you do. You basically are trying to make people experts in sales. Right. And in medicine, it's the same thing. There's an expert economy and, and the people at the very top are in tremendous de- demand and they're, it's very important. And, and, and so people are looking for experts in, in serious conditions. So when someone look, when someone's diagnosed with a serious problem, you don't go to, you don't go to a cancer specialist. You go to a lung cancer specialist. You go to right. someone who really knows multiple myeloma anymore. Well, that's and what I was, I was looking at last week because a close friend has brain cancer and so uh, glioblastoma. So I was, <laughs> I was looking at uh, the experts and, and 
yeah, the expert that she's been consulting here in the LA area is right at the top of your list. So, oh, really? Yeah, okay, good to see that. That's that's great, to, and that's great. And we hear those stories over and over and over again. So it's really encouraging when we hear that. And I always lead with, I hope you never have to use our site, really, because that's ideally, that's it's it's you go to our site when you've been diagnosed with a chronic problem that's not getting resolved, or you've got a serious complication. You don't use our site if you're trying to find a primary care physician or you need a colonoscopy. You know, <laughs> you, you know there are people that are really good at those sorts of things and they don't publish. But so we don't know about them. So what's your business model? How are you making money on this? Uh, it's it's a combination of things, and that's kind of the complexity of it. Is it's, it's there's a reputational component. So we liken ourselves a little bit to like JD Power. Mm-hmm. If you took JD Power and crossed it with a global provider physician directory, that's kind of what we are. And so there's a there's a kind of advertising uh, promotion component, and that's where we're doing a lot of work. I'm selling to and working with large academic medical centers on their awareness campaigns and reputation, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. That's one model. It also there's a tr- there's an advertising traffic model. You know, for sure. um, for you know, for people to come to the site, they what one of the things about our site is you don't go there to browse. You know, people that come no, there for the game, purpose, right? Yeah, you, you're you're there for a very specific reason, and and uh, uh, and so when you get to a certain page on the site, of which there are frankly millions of pages, we um, you're highly self qualified. You know, you you've identified yourself as you know, I have um, I have Crohn's disease, and I'm looking for someone in California or uh, or Alabama, and and in you know, and so who are the experts in that geographic area? Right. Cool. And some people will fly a long distance to, to get yeah, treatment. Absolutely. And some people won't. One thing I will say is that it's kind of really important for us is uh, that we want to stress is there are there are centers of excellence all over the world. And there are people that are really knowledgeable about this stuff in very, diff- in very unsusp- you know, unpredictable areas. Right. Uh, we've got their experts in at the University of Khartoum and who are top notch. And in what? And, go ahead, said uh, <laughs> in lung cancer. Really, in Khartoum? Oh, yeah, and yeah, and uh, and Italy is a is a um, uh, is a you know has a real strength in lung cancer. My my, my sister. Uh, died of lung cancer uh, years ago, and that was one of the things that. So I'm kind of fueled a little bit right. by by that as well. Um, well Italy may uh, have may have expertise in the coronavirus here soon. So yeah, and, and we get a, we're getting a ton of traffic now on right. I'm sure uh, in infectious, infectious disease. And, yep. Yeah, yeah. So it's and and it's fascinating to see where it comes from. So and you know where the you know we get traffic now from Italy and from France because they're having it's blooming. You know it's right. It, uh, taking off in some of these areas. So it's it's kind of fascinating that way. Excellent. All right. Well, that's expertscape. And yep. I'll give you a chance to give some some information about that later on. So I want to talk about your book, Salescraft. Yes. Proven tips, tactics, and ideas to elevate your sales success. And and part of the reason I really enjoyed reading the book as is going through it is, is you, know, you weren't trying to boil the ocean. You weren't trying to cure everything. It was just some as you said, sort of practical reminders uh, about yeah. ways that 
about things that are so important, I think, in sales that don't get enough attention, which are sort of values and character oriented, um, as, you, as you talk about, just sort of basic human decency and how far that takes you. Yeah, it, it's so true. And I, you know, I listen to your podcast with some frequency and, and I, I know that, I mean, we kind of agree on a lot of things, but uh, to me, a lot of success uh, in sales in particular is just, is fundamentals. It's doing little things consistently and, you know, it's follow up and, and, uh, and the, and the like. And so I've kind of collected over the years, a number of these little kind of ideas and, you know, practices and techniques that I just think are kind of fundamental to the, to the profession. And, and I've just been writing them down forever. And I just, and so then I decided I wanted to kind of compile them in a way that you could pick up the book at any point and, and read something. You don't have to sit there and, you know, plow through it from start to finish. And it's not a, it's not a, a, a sales system. It's here are things to kind of reminders, things to think about. Right. And I, I think this is a, such an important lesson for people to keep in mind who are in sales is that, yeah, there there is a sales methodology, yeah. but beneath it, there are these yeah. just basic, as you said, human decencies, human kindnesses, practical tips that you need to be practicing. And because if you don't, because a lot of them have to do with sort of the first impression you create with another human being. And I think right. I, I sort of lump a lot of what you talk about into this really important category I call it just being a good human. And <laughs> and it's surprising how far that can take you. It's just to be oh, a good a good human. I just start with that. And, yeah. and, it, and if you aren't and you can you can layer all the methodology you want on top of that, you know, that human connection you need to make with your buyer, it just won't happen. And as I like to say, you'll be fighting for second place from the beginning. You won't even know it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's exactly, I, I, can't, I can't agree more. I mean, it's just, it's amazing how, how far, uh, you know, have just doing certain things over and over again consistently. It's, uh, it's like in, in football, in, you know, American football, I know you're kind of a, a football of the other uh, yeah. persuasion. Big, big, big soccer fan, yeah. Yeah, big soccer, right. So, so uh, in American football, like as if you're a lineman, footwork is critically important. Mm-hmm. I mean, just have boxing the same, yep. you know, boxing. It's so much of is success is in footwork because it just positions you and so forth. And, and it's, it's true in sales. If you do certain things over and over again, consistently, you, you, you can, you can uh, differentiate yourself with a large percentage of the sales population. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? And, but that is absolutely true. And I've having this conversation, I was having this conversation with somebody this week is, is sort of, okay, what, what had been, I don't say the secret to my success, but the things that I thought made a difference when I was selling. And it was so many of the things that you talk about in the book is just, just these basic human values and character issues that, that really reflect who you are as a person. And that's, that's the first thing people judge you on. It's not your knowledge. It's not your credibility. It's just are you a person I want to connect with and interact with and, and perhaps find you trustworthy enough to a degree that we can do business at some point? That's right. Yep. All right. Well, yep. I want to run through some of these because it's, it's, because um, <laughs> I just want to stress them. I, I, I just like the way you wrote about sure. it. Sure. All right. Yeah. So one is to talk about is, is the importance of being prepared. And, yeah. and I thought you had given an interesting example that I thought would be interesting because you said, there's a great chance that the job you interview for won't be the job you end up doing. And so explain what, what you meant by that. Uh, in terms of uh, for, for a sales gig or, yeah. or like, yeah. you, 
Yeah, I, 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 it's happened to me so frequently now that I've been, well, in fact, what's happened is I, I've been on my own as a sales consultant for the last nine years. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, I had gone in and interviewed with companies where, like, I knew the people on the board, I knew the CEO, I knew, uh, you know, these, these were like cold, you know, these were referral, these were reference, you know, sure. uh, opportunities. And and the, the, the surprising thing to me is, is until you're on board, uh, my experience has been that you just don't, you don't have any real confidence that the job you're going to do is the, the job you've been hired for is the job you're going to do. And I, and, and I don't know exactly what the defense, what the defense <laughs> is, except that it's a, it's a sales opportunity in the same way. And that is the qualification is so important. And at some I think one of the things that I find that salespeople, especially inexperienced salespeople, tend to do is they get worried about losing a deal because they ask the wrong, they ask a, a difficult mm-hmm. question, and ultimately that's going to come back and, and bite you. And so there's a chapter in the book where I talk about killing a deal, and the, one of the fundamental things is you have to find the, you have to discover what the thing is that's going to kill the deal for you, and you have to confront that you have to find a way to um to really uncover that uh to either get the person on the other side to agree with you that Mm -hmm. this is an obstacle and you can't overcome it or to dispute it and argue in favor of hiring you or buying from you and and i think uh, i guess the one lesson i would take away from those uh those employment experiences is you, you really have to be uh hyper aggressive i think and in trying to uncover what could go wrong before before you take the the, the job, um, I don't know how helpful that is. I mean, I mean, what's your experience? Well, I, mean, I think yeah, I, mean, I, I think it's a very common experience, and, and I think it's very analogous to customers buying a product. Right? Is yeah. there's always this gap between the expectation and the reality? Yeah. And <laughs> and what I took from your book when you're saying be prepared for that is being prepared for the fact that. Yeah, <laughs> what you bought is different than what you're actually going to be getting. And yeah. so, too, from your employer, what they thought they bought <laughs> as a result of you selling yourself to them is probably different as well. Not necessarily yeah. in a bad way, but it's just, you know, it's so hard to align the expectations. And yeah. and you just, I, the point I took away from that part was just, yeah, you got to be prepared that this is reality. This is, this is how it happens. So you got to be resilient. You got to be tough and aggressive, as you talked about. And just understand that that you're not ever as clear as you think you are. And I guess a corollary for me is that um, I've kind of come to the conclusion, you know, as a result of my experience, that this, the sale is really never over. You're never no. like you, you may get the contract signed, but like I've had a number of contracts signed where you don't implement. They never you may even get the money. But you don't have the satisfaction of having the, a successful customer, and so the, in in a lot of cases, I find that in most cases the sales never over, and especially in the kind of work that the, the kind of selling I've always done has been enterprise level selling, and so you're you're always you're always working on that engagement. You you know you may have gotten the contract, but that does not mean that all the work is done. Yeah, well, I think that that um, there's. A way for people to sort of think about this is that 
there's sort of these multiple stages in a relationship that, that sociologists and psychologists have defined. And the first stage of the relationship is they call a fledgling relationship stage. Yeah. And you yeah. think about, you know, fledgling bird, don't know how to fly. You're just getting to know each other. But the fact is decisions take place in that stage, the purchase yeah. decisions. And then you yeah. have sort of the, the steady state stage. And then you have what they call a transition stage where eventually the relationship evolves and changes. Yeah. What sellers have to understand is that, yeah, you, you're the buyers are making decisions before they have this fully formed relationship with you. Right. And, right. and yeah, if you want to maximize the value you can provide the customer and the val- revenue value of the opportunity, you got to build on that relationship. That building doesn't stop when you get the order. In fact, it's still in the early fledgling stage of a relationship. That's right. That's right. Exactly right. All right. I love this one. Be on time. <laughs> yeah, right. Show up when you say you're going to show up. It's, you know, it just, you know, it's like uh, a buddy of mine always uses the phrase uh, Lombardi time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, be, you know, be a few minutes early. So you're, you're prepared and you're, and uh, in the early stages of going back to your the last point, in the early stages that those fledging fledging stages of the relationship, it's those little things that really matter. It's like that are those initial uh, impressions. And uh, one of the things that has always tr- served me very well is because my follow up and because I'm on time and people I'm I'm rely I've been largely reliable is. It gives your customers this this sense of confidence that makes them look good internally with whomever they are dealing with. Because, you know, in a lot of cases, in most cases, a customer, you know, is buying from you individually and they're an individual. And 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 that decision to choose you and your company reflects upon them. Mm-hmm. And if you're making them look good and um, and they know they have confidence in you, then that that really kind of can solidify you inside the account. And so many of those little things is showing up on time and doing what you say you're going to do. And, you know, just critical. Yeah. Well, I like in the book where you point out that, and I <laughs> hadn't thought about it, but it's probably true. As you said, yeah, it's unavoidable. Sometimes you're going to be late, but that's what cell yeah. phones were invented for. And yeah. it still drives me nuts. You know, when I'm talking to somebody selling something to me, and it happens quite frequently. And it's like, okay, you're late. You could have texted. Yeah. I mean, there's, right. I mean, I'm, I'm, this is something I'm sort of, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say maybe too <laughs> followed too much. Is that, yeah, I, if I'm going to be late, even five minutes, two minutes, I'm going to send yeah. a text ahead of time or call oh. somebody and say, you know, hey, forgive me, something's happened, but going to be there. And you're showing that you care enough and you respect their time enough. Yeah. To do that. Yeah. Yeah. You've diffused a problem because uh, I'm that I'm totally that way. And that is, you know, if, if someone if I'm in point with someone at a certain time and they're 10 or 15 minutes late, I'm oftentimes I'm just I'm weird in the sense that I I'm kind of stalled. I'm waiting for that. So I can't really be productive. If someone says, hey, I'm going to be 10 minutes late. Oh, I know I can pick up the phone, call someone quickly or I can right. do an email or I can I can I can do something. Well, so here's here's a question for you: Is is sure. and because this yeah this happens all the time to sellers is the customer's late. So yeah. what you're seeing is the customer doesn't seem to respect my time as much as I'm trying to respect theirs. So yeah. in those instances, what do you, Brendan McAdams, say to a customer, or do you? 
I have a, uh, this is delicate, but I have a kind of a rule of thumb that if they, if they're, if they're within a few minutes, 10 minutes or something like that, you know, I, I, I tolerate it. You know, if it happens every time, I may actually say something. If it's more than like 15 or so minutes, I will, I will send them a message and say, let's reschedule and I'll, and then I'll basically kill it. You know, I'll, I'll. Uh, now it depends on whether I'm traveling. It depends, sure. you know, if, I, if it's a phone call, those sorts of things. Um, I'm, you know, if someone tells me five minutes in, hey, I'm running late, I'm sorry, you know, I will oftentimes give them the out. Hey, let's, you want to re- just reschedule? What's, sure. you know, and I'll, I'll serve up a couple options. My, one of my standard sentences is, is t- give me a couple time slots and I'll make one of them work. And that saves me the trouble of, going back and forth with calendars. If they just say, Hey, here are two windows of time. I will, I will find a way to make one of them work. And, and I use that as a way to kind of short circuit that. But if I can give someone an out, Hey, they're, they're backed up. Let's reschedule. Then I'll just tell them reschedule. If someone consistently is inconsiderate of my time, that, that tells me something about the state of the relationship and the, the deal and and I have walked away from deals where, where I just thought even if we won, it it wouldn't be good for the company, our resources, my time, my you know. And so I great, great point. You know, I I think there are there are deals that you're better off losing to somebody else or walking away from or walking then, away from. Yeah, and this is a part that and you bring up a great point, and I think that too many salespeople don't think about it in this context, which is. Yeah, you know, much as customers are choosing you, to some degree, you choose your customers. I mean, Absolutely. if you're way underwater on quota, you're going to be less discriminating. But you know, if you're performing to plan or you're close to plan, you're building yeah. a book of business. Yeah, there are there are customers, there are people at customers yeah. who are just not worth dealing with, and they're not worth <laughs> your time. And it's okay to choose not to do business with them, even though it looks yeah. like they could buy from you. Yeah, to your point, they could be you know, hugely time-consuming as a customer, uh, hugely demanding, unreasonably demanding. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a Herbert Simon, you know, we've talked about the show, a Nobel Prize winner economist had said people sort of fall into two categories, maximizers, satisficers, where maximizers are buyers that will look at every single op- option in order to convince themselves they made the right decision. Yeah. Yeah, you may find in your business, if you run across somebody who's a maximizer, you you don't want to work that deal because you may never close that deal because they're always going to think there's something better around the corner, even though they sincerely, right. in one part of their mind, they sincerely intend to buy something. Yeah. They just can't right. bring themselves to do it because there must be something yeah. better out there I didn't see. And and there's been studies done, I think Simon did it, saying that, yeah, you know, maximizers do make perhaps more optimal decisions, but they're also more likely to be unhappy customers and have buyer's remorse because it must have been something out there. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, um, I've always, I've always thought being in sales and is just a tremendous, uh, tremendous career uh, option. It's just, I've loved being in sales and part of the, part of being in sales means you have to make it enjoyable for you. And if you're, not selecting customers to some degree. If mm-hmm. you're not being somewhat having a, uh, a code, a standard, you know, a, per, a personal um, code you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Your own, co- like your own code, like this, 
if if you if you if you're going to choose to have customers and you're going to put up with customers that are disrespectful to you, that belittle you, that that don't that waste your time, then you kind of you're you're kind of creating a, a a sales environment that that's 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 um, reducing the what's great about being in sales. And I, I one of the things about sales is I can to some degree choose my customers, especially as a consultant, as, a, sure. as an independent. I I've had customers that. I have a three-month engagement at the end of three-month engagement. Hey, this has been great. Thank you very much. And I go a different direction. And um, because they're just not, they, they don't want to take the advice. They don't want to execute. They, they they pay the bills, but they don't, they're not referenceable. They're not happy. Right. They're, you know, that, those sorts of things. Yeah, I think I think you have a lot more control over your destiny than, than, than sometimes people give credit. Well, you have to trust in yourself. That's a confidence thing, yeah. right? Is you have to have confidence that if you choose not to do business with a prospect, is yeah. that you've got enough in your pipeline, or yeah. confident enough that you can build your pipeline to the point yeah. where it's not going to hurt you. Yeah. Which it sort of leads to another point you talked about, which I think is is something that is worth discussing and not talked enough 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 about is is this you know being honest, being direct, being blunt with customers. You don't have to sugarcoat everything. In fact, right. in fact, you create the impression of, of sort of being unnecessarily subservient oftentimes. Like sellers put themselves in a sort of position like a puppy. They don't want to be putted, petted and yeah. you know, yeah. have people say nice right. things to them. When really what the situation calls for, what the customer really wants is they want the seller to lead and inspire and be honest yeah. and direct about whatever issue comes up. Yeah, right. And when uh, I, I use like the expert scape example is a good one for me, and that is, we, we do a certain thing. We identify these uh, experts objectively. And then I, in a presentation with people early on, I immediately explain, these are some of the limitations. This is where you wouldn't use us. And, um, and, and by doing so, it, um, it diffuses that whole series of objections that people are naturally uh, you know creating in their own mind mm -hmm. about oh it doesn't do this or oh it's limited because of that and if i sit there and can say right up front this is what it doesn't do this is the, you don't need us for these things we're this is where we're good this is where we're not good and it immediately does a couple things it diffuses the ops the objections that that might come up uh and and it also lends it, it gives you a me, much more credibility right up front. I, the, there are circumstances that where I will not sell to you is basically what you're saying. And that's if okay. I, I think that we don't say that enough. And I learned to do that uh, from a mentor early in my career to say it's okay to tell people who you're not good for. Yeah. And and yeah. buyers and just be upfront about that. Yeah. And you know you're setting. Uh, it's sort of like a, a negative image or image you see on a negative uh, of a photograph, but it's it's yeah you're you're saying okay yeah just want to see this is who we're not good for this is not a fit for us yeah yeah I say explain that to a, a doc uh, you know uh, a doctor the other day I said you don't you don't need us here's what you do I mean you, you got what you need you know we're you know and you know uh, if I can help if I can help you at some point down the road. By all means, and if I can do you a favor, whatever, that's fine. But you don't need to buy anything from us. I mean, you're doing great, and it's it, you know, it's it's ha half the fun of that is they they 
often are so unaccustomed to seeing that reaction. <laughs> and it's, well, especially it's doctors, almost worth it. pharma reps and so on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, another thing that, that I want to touch on was, and this is something that I've read in several things recently, and I'm a huge believer in this and I've written about it, is that it's about being purposeful, right? It's, it's not just following yeah. a script, following a playbook. You talk about from the context, uh, context of meaningful touches. And, yeah. and I, I talk about from the context that you know, every touch you have with a buyer yeah. should move them closer to making a decision. And if yeah. you don't accomplish that, then it wasn't a meaningful touch. There's no value in That's it right. for the for the buyer. That's right. And uh, a friend Dave Brock writes about designing high value touches, which you know, yeah. is very similar. So talk about what you described there. You talk about you know certain contexts. You talk about brevity, levity, value, and being on target. And I thought that was a great sort of little simple framework to think about designing a sales touch. Yeah. So, so I wrote the book with the idea that people don't have a lot of, you know, people are, you know, attention. There's just this attention deficit issue that's going on. There's just so much information out there and people don't have attention spans. And that's, that's certainly true when you are delivering any information to your customers. So in terms of brevity, you know, like, like nobody wants to have their time wasted. And at the same time, people like to look smart. They like to feel like, they want to be able to look smart or, or get smarter mm-hmm. in, in, his, in the least amount of time right. possible, least amount of time and effort. And so to the degree to which you can um, help your customers understand things better, quickly, simply, is really important. So, you know, marketing departments oftentimes generate all this great material, you know, very sexy, you know, highly, very visually appealing material or, or white papers, what have you. And they're great and they're, they're good background material, but, but I find that where I've been very helpful, where, where it's been a very much appreciated is when, when I can send to a customer, here's a white paper, here are the three takeaways that, that I think are, that, that would be of interest to you, mm-hmm. that are important given your, given the project and then explain how it would apply. And, and so so I, you know, I'm early an adopter to uh, uh, you and one of your podcasts, you talk about some technology and it gave you that it, it indicated how old you were, right? So yeah. I, I've been around since the start of email. So I, I, like I typed email on a computer, on a character-based machine in Unix. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I'm there from the early days of Unix uh, and email. And so I can appreciate how, important it is to do something in a way that's uh, timely and and very condensed because people don't have time to read stuff and and so so I put a trim I, I just think people need to constantly be aware that they're getting bombarded with stuff so so the degree to which you can deliver things in a really simple easily digestible manner is invaluable I think right and that's a perfect example is, is, and I think that needs to be used more frequently is, yeah, you may have a, a white paper you want to send to a buyer yeah. a customer is summarize it. Yeah. Here yeah. are the three key points, as you pointed out, is if they want to go back and read the whole thing later, they will. But yeah. to the point is everybody's crushed for time. Summarize it. That's a very simple technique that, yeah. uh, again, I, I see people do very rarely, 
is let me just summarize this for you in a paragraph, three bullet points, bullet points preferred, something they can scan. And you still get credit for giving them something of value that yeah. they'll say, yeah, okay, maybe I want to dig into this later. Or, oh, these are great points. And that's fine. Well, in this, in this day and age too, is they see that it's, it's succinct, it's well-written. They'll cut and paste that and, and put it in something to somebody else. Yeah. And, and, you know, which they can't do with a white paper because now they're making a colleague read some, some, you know, multi-page document that they didn't read, you know? Yeah. And so this way they can, they can say, Hey, here's this. And, you know, and, and it's just a, another way for them to, 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 to look smart internally and to be informed internally and be responsive. Right. And then you talk about levity, which I think is important is, is <clears throat> we have a tendency to want to take ourselves too seriously. And, yeah. and we talked at the beginning of the show about being human being a good yeah. human, being yourself, yeah. you you talk in the book later about, uh, you know, being your authentic self is yeah. it has nothing wrong with with injecting some levity into the the situation and showing that you're not again not taking yourself that seriously. Right, right, and well, for me, one of the things, um, uh, and I I find it um, it's incredibly um, um, what's the word. Um, uh, Calming isn't the right word, but um, to to be able to to not feel obligated to be the smartest person in the room, mm-hmm. and and like I know what I know, but I'm but I think that when I go into sales situations, I'm eager to not to find out things that I don't know, and right. so I don't. I think I just I find that it's it, it just it takes a lot of pressure off if I know I don't have to be the smartest guy. I don't have to feel like I have to be the smartest person in the room, and and. And uh, uh, thankfully for me, that often is the case. So, so yeah. uh, <laughs> I can so, identify with that. Yes, but but uh, the minute, but that telegraphs nicely to everyone else in the room. It's like, oh, this 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 person is they're they're being well, they're self, not full self, of themselves. Yeah, self deprecation is I think is a yeah. a great yeah. tool. I mean, obviously, it can be laid on too thick, and then it comes yeah. across as inauthentic. But yeah, but Again, this, this gets back to the point you were talking about again a little bit later in the book, or about being your authentic self. Is yeah. is we you need to develop a sales personality if you're in yeah. sales, and right. it has to be congruent with who you are as a human being. It, it doesn't mean it's exactly the same as who you are. I mean, in my case, I'm very much of an introvert, but in sales situations or in situations like this, I'm yeah. more outgoing. But that's part of my that's part of my sales personality. Yeah. Um, and having a little levity, not taking myself too seriously, or willing to make jokes at my own expense, yeah, it it makes you just seem more human and more relatable. Which is is yeah. really that's where that connection with another person comes from. As I say, well, yeah, I can relate to this person. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's I think that does. It's disarming. Yeah, and it's yeah. in a in a good way. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so we're running a little bit out of time. I know you've you've got a time. Uh, yeah. Just if you could sort of summarize the book for people. So if people say, "Yeah, I want to decide, pick up this book, read it," who you really, who did you really target with it? Is it is it beginners? Is it everybody? Is it yeah you know, more? And I because I have my own opinion on who would benefit from it. So so that's fascinating uh, because I I wrote it for the for the the salesperson. It just that's that's that wants to stay 
that, that reads, that, that reads on a regular basis, that sees that as part of the, just part of their kind of ongoing self-improvement program. And this is a way to kind of reinforce uh, and, you know, introduce some new ideas and reinforce existing practices. Uh, now, so for new salespeople, I think it's a, it's a very good book in the sense that it just, it condenses a bunch of fundamental ideas that are, I think, very digestible. They're very easy to understand, and it helps to have kind of a context, a story behind it. Some, and a lot of them do have a story behind it that kind of explains, you know, how it, you know, how it came to this, mm-hmm. this conclusion or, or how it applies. And uh, so, so it's really useful for 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 uh, new new to sales or you know. Um, uh, sales professionals. The, the one other thing that uh, someone told me is, and I, in fact, I've heard this more than a couple times now, is that it's really good for. Uh, I should write a version for founders, for fat like startup mm-hmm. founders, because founders often are, you know, introverted, you know, uh, type individuals. They're yeah, yeah. you know technical. They oftentimes come up with an idea and build on it, but yet they are responsible early on sure. for selling. And, and so I'm probably going to write a version that's specifically targeted for founders, like just fundamental, you know, um, uh, you know, practices, but, but with more of a founder kind of a perspective uh, woven in. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I think a recipe for how to be a good human for some, many of those founders would, <laughs> would be great. Um, and so before you go, though, I did want to touch base on, on sure. one yeah. thing. This was... I would say is the most important, but it is a pretty critical part in the book. As you said, there are five things not to order at lunch when you're with a buyer. <laughs> so five things not to eat at lunch when you're with a customer, uh, spaghetti, a second martini, breakfast, a prune smoothie and chocolate cake. So I, I understand the issue with the second martini. So, why a prune smoothie? Why shouldn't you order a prune smoothie at lunch? With- well, uh, I hope you can appreciate that some of these things were kind of very tongue in cheek. Yeah, yeah. So, I, 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 so, I, I appreciate uh, that. I was just trying to understand what what drove you to that. Well, you know, the, I'm, I'm fascinated by the uh, the whole idea of a like. And this probably dates me as much as anything. And that is, people don't call them prunes anymore. They rebranded them as dried plums, oh. and so so it's a little bit like the what was it the, the uh, Patagonian toothfish is now uh, what is it it's um, um, hey got me uh, on that one it's a it's um oh it's another fish it's a uh, uh, like, Chilean sea bass no it's Chilean right? sea bass so they so they they didn't like the name so I don't know I just it was just a you know what it is? I wanted to in, in, introduce some level, levity, and I thought that's the like the least likely thing. And it telegraphs, it seems to me, a, a very kind of a yeah. Well, I think if you're you know traditionally people <laughs> resort to prunes if they're constipated, they need a laxative. So yeah, you probably don't want to telegraph that necessarily in a meeting with their, a lunch with your buyer. A chocolate cake, though, I don't yeah, know, that seemed pretty harmless. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that ended up in there. <laughs> well, anyway. Um, yeah, I recommend people take a look at the book. And as, as Brenda said, it's really a reference, you know, more than a, a, a start to finish read through. Uh, you certainly can do it. It's easy enough to, to read, but yeah, yeah. Just find one thing, breeze through it, find one thing that helps you sort of remind yourself 
hey, I've yeah. sort of laughed. I've sort of, yeah, you know, my attention has lapsed on this particular issue. I'm being a little careless and I need to pay more attention to what I'm doing. And it could just be something as, as simple as I said, being on time. You sort of let that slide. Yeah. Everything makes a difference because, yeah, sales, if people really want to think about it, sales is. It's not a continuum. When you're selling to a customer, we talk about a process and so on, but it's really a series of moments, discrete yes. moments. And yeah. at each of those moments, you're creating an impression on this person. And the things you really deal with in the book are really a preponderance of that. Yeah, how do I how do I create that right impression in the eyes of the buyer to make them want to choose me to do business with? And so I think we all can sort of pay close attention to that. And that's uh, exactly right. And thank you. That's a that's a great way to kind of um, uh, to kind of summarize salescraft and 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 the kind of reason I wrote it and 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 who it's for and uh, and no, that's I mean I I couldn't do a better job of, of right. summarizing well, it than that. Send you an address where you can send the check. <laughs> I'll be your publicist. So, all right. Well, Brendan, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. At last, I said we've been having this in the works for a long time. Uh, tell yeah. people how they can learn more about the book and uh, learn more about ExpertScape. Well, the, the 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 book is the best way to get uh, the book is on Amazon, Salescraft, and it's uh, um, Brendan McAdams um, the, is the author. That that's how you basically find it. And it's on Kindle and also on uh, uh, a hard copy, and then. Um, Hopefully, you never have to use Expertscape. But if you do, it's Expertscape.com, uh, Expertscape, because the, my uh, partner and I both worked at um, what became WebMD. It was called, uh, it was called um, uh, uh, Healthion. Mm -hmm. But the name before Healthion was Healthscape because the founder was Jim Clark. Right. Uh, was one of the founders who started Netscape yep. with Mark Andreessen. And so we're Expertscape as a result of from that because that's how we got our start. So. All right. And that's Expertscape.com? Yep. That's Excellent. right. All right. Well, Brendan, great to talk to you and look forward to doing it again. And it was a pleasure. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, friends, that was Accelerate for the week. First of all, as always, I want to thank you for joining me, and I want to thank my guest, Brendan McAdam. Join me again next week as my guest will be Mary Grothy. Mary is the founder and CEO of Sales BQ and host of the Quota Crusher podcast. You want to join us as we have a fun conversation about the power of passion, conviction, and enthusiasm in sales. You'll definitely want to check this out. Be sure to join Mary and me next week for that conversation. So again, thanks for joining me on Accelerate this week. Until next week, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.